And y'all don't know oh, what oh, I went man. through. Do you have a car in your hands right now? <laughs> Nike Talk was that place that spiraled what you enjoy now. Anyone who brought a, a Kobe shoe in, I would clean it for free. Man, my was better than a lot of people in the league. I got I saw the, my favorite jerseys, that one. The Barkley, Kobe Fours. Episode 43, this is the Danden and RJ Machismo podcast. This is Danden. Uh, RJ Machismo will not be here today since he is diligently, um, you know, being a, a healthcare worker. So we appreciate your, your service. So tonight we got a special guest. Uh, we got, you know, he has been, you know, known well in the sneaker community and, you know, he's done many uh projects and also been a part of many uh organizations and industries uh such as soul collector uh east bay and you know many things that we'll talk about so we got we got the homie nick engvall how are you doing tonight sir good man thanks for having me thanks for having me i appreciate it how you doing man man i'm good man hey you know it's, it's an honor to have you on you know it's been uh, i've been a fan of your your work for quite some time since you know you writing like so for so um for a soul collector so, you know, I appreciate, you know, the, it's not, it's actually like, I can't believe I have you on, you know, kind of thing. And I read hey. all your stuff. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I'm just a regular dude though, man. I'm... <laughs> uh, nah, that's all right though. I mean, it's like, I guess I'm having a, a larger, more like a larger than life moment kind of thing right now. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like I'm reading a, like an article that you just posted back in like 2008 and now I'm having a, a conversation with you. So I appreciate your time tonight, uh, Nick. Yeah, of course, man. No problem at all. All right. So just a, a, just a small icebreaker with you, Nick. So just tell us, tell us more about yourself. Um, so I, uh, I kind of lucked out and got into to writing uh, about sneakers right when blogs started in like 2007, 2008. And, um, you know, that started at uh, like, I had already started writing about sneakers and then uh, discovered like the nice kicks blog and uh, ended up like getting a job with nice kicks, which, you know, throughout the years has turned into, you know, uh, I went from nice kicks to soul collector a couple years later. Uh, I got to, I got to start the East Bay blog for East Bay while I was a soul collector employee. Um, yeah, just, you know, all over the place with sneakers, you know, I just love sneakers and um, that kind of just started as a kid really not being able to get them, you know, and it was like, just me and my brother drawing them, you know, pretending those were the, the shoes we would make if we could make our own Nikes and our own Adidas and stuff. So um, yeah, just, I, I just really feel lucky that I, that I got to like do all this crazy stuff just because I was super passionate about sneakers, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's dope. I mean, a, a lot of, I've noticed like a lot of my guests, uh, you know, like just, they've always like, uh you know draw like their sneakers because you know a lot of us you know especially uh back in the day you know we couldn't afford to have like the cool sneakers that we, we would see on tv watching our favorite our favorite athletes so you know yeah. we would always imagine you know i want to just draw and doodle and you know make it hopefully one day now it's like an inspiration that you know i want to be part of uh, uh you know the sneaker like you know, culture, you know, uh, embrace it, be more, you know, know more about it. So yeah, and we'll definitely talk about more about your story, uh, your storytelling, um, you know, piece. So 
a nice a nice fact about you, Nick. Uh, I know you're a big AI Allen Iverson fan. You know the Hall of Famer. You know he's yep. he's he's like the, the answer. You know he's one and only, one of a kind basketball uh, NBA basketball player. So, what did he mean to you? Um, you know, as a fan, and you know, for someone that you've you know have admired, and the impact of sneakers with Reebok. So, how in your words, like how was how was he a big impact to you? I mean, for me, it was, it was, you know, he was more relatable than, than Michael Jordan, right? Like I, of course, you know, wanted to be like Mike, everybody did. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think everybody was wearing some sort of bulls, you know, hat or t-shirt back then, if you could get one. Um, I know I got, I got a Nike Jordan shirt from, you know, like for like probably it must've been 90 or 91, but it was like, it was, it was from a Goodwill store. You know, we didn't get like you know, fancy, like new shit back then. Sorry. I don't know if I could cut. No, but... Yeah. By <laughs> all means you can. Um, we didn't have that kind of money, you know, and, and, you know, my family just like sneakers were just out of the question. So like anytime we got to f- get a little sense of, Oh, this is what all the people that get to, you know, like you say, you get to have the shoes that you watch your heroes are wearing on TV. Um, and Michael was always that, but for me, like Iverson kind of, uh was more he was more relatable because he was he was real right and you know i was listening to nwa in in the late 80s and you know i just didn't feel that with michael jordan in the same same sense that when iverson started becoming known to me in you know at georgetown I, i like i had this whole kind of I don't know, just like almost like epiphany of like, Hey, this guy's, you know, I'm, I'm six one. Uh, he's roughly six foot, you know, it's like, wow, this guy's like, you know, he was like the guy that, that I could relate to. Cause he was going to say something that you didn't expect. He wasn't going to filter himself, but at the same time, it was also like, he was the underdog, you know, like I, I just related to that because I was, you know, our family was struggling. I was struggling to figure out who I was going to be growing up and, so when I kind of started paying attention to college hoops as a teenager, like he, he became like, kind of like the guy, you know, and it's not that I wasn't like a fan of all the other athletes. You know, I look back at that era and just think there's so many people that I looked up to, but because Iverson was wearing baggy clothes, wearing his hat backwards, you know, always had some jewelry on like tattoos, all that stuff was stuff that I wanted to, to be, you know, at that age and growing up and, and I think too, like, because everyone else in the league seemed like they were like, uh, you know, almost like, it's almost like, uh, like a suit and tie type of players. Right. I, I don't mean that. in like, they're wearing, you know, a suit and tie because all of them were at some point, but like the way that they played always felt like they were playing for other people. And Iverson always felt like he was like, fuck it. If you don't let me play here, I'm going to go play in the neighborhood with my friends. And Mm -hmm. that to me was just like the attitude that I had towards life and the attitude that I like looked up to. Um, But also I think too, you know, I, I, I think like with Reebok, it was, it was a little bit more attainable in a lot of ways. You know, it was just, I, I didn't have money for Jordan's. Um, you know, eventually I got, uh, I think my first kind of like cool pair of shoes was 
you know, like some Nike Air Lombastes, which is like the LWP nice. uh, low tops. Yeah. Um, but that was like because I worked two jobs throughout the summer to save up for it. You know, I got the matching black socks with the Royal Swoosh. I thought I was the shit, you know, like um, but that was still like, you know, a lot more money than I could have picked up a pair of Reeboks for. And as that all kind of started to play out, you know, Iverson's like it was like the closest I could get to Jordan's in a lot of ways was to wear the questions. And I just became obsessed with the questions, you know, from the first pair that I got probably in 97, cause I didn't get them right away. It was one of those things where I had to save up for it. Um, but after that, it just like, it was like everything about him became like more and more what I admired in a human being. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say even further than just like the, the like no fucks given attitude. I remember specifically he was on, uh, he, he did an interview with Stephen A. Smith and started talking about his relationship with his mom and he started crying. And to me, that was like, holy shit, this guy's like superhero to me now because he's as re- like, yeah, we all have that. No matter how much the teenage me was like, I'm fucking tough as nails and you're never going to fuck with me. Like we all have that, you know? And I think like, Parallel to that, this is why I became a huge Tupac fan and like started writing poetry because of Tupac. And, you know, like both of these guys really shaped and guided like a a kind of just had simultaneous paths. But I just kind of found myself in the middle of like, wow, it's like, you know, it's it's poetry, it's music, it's fighting for the rights of people with Tupac. It's, you know, being a baller, but like maybe not the best that's ever going to do it but definitely the guy that will beat the best guy at least once or twice. Right. Like mm-hmm. people remember him for being able to beat the best guy, not being the best guy, but being the guy that like crosses over Michael. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of the way I just, it was like, I'm never going to have the physical ability to play basketball to that level, but seeing him do those things being like, you know, small for the NBA and like, you know, me looking at that as like, oh, shit, he's about my size. Like, maybe I could, you know, do something like this or whatever. It just was, uh, you know, kind of compounding. So it just became like the natural thing for me to like be into, you know, Reeboks. And as I became more of a fan of him and started collecting more shoes as I got into like working more and having, you know, quote, real jobs, I just always default to, to Iverson stuff, you know, like I've bought all that baggy ass gear back in the day when I could afford it. And like, you know, um, it's, it's funny. Cause like, like probably I'm sure people have seen that, that kid in the stands that's got the like drawn on Iverson yeah. thing. And like, I swear, like probably 20 times in my life, people have genuinely asked me if that was me as a kid. And I was like, this kid is like, you know, I don't know how old, probably like 10 years old or something. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm way older than that, but like, I appreciate that you think that I was, you know, that passionate or whatever about yeah. Iverson. So, but yeah, man, that's, that's, that's pretty much how, how it came to be with, with Iverson. Yeah. I mean, I think Iverson was one of a kind. Um, I am from Washington, DC. I've seen him play on, on TV and, you know, for him to have not, not having a, a father figure. And when I saw him going to Georgetown, which was a blessing, uh, you know, for him having a relationship with John Thompson, where yep. nobody, you know, he was like fucking up. He was, you know, he had a he had a D one, you know, a full full scholarship ride to a big school for football, 
nobody wanted to take him because he had all these court cases. And, you know, um, and, you know, it, it was uh, well publicized with his mom. His mom begged John Thompson to say, hey, like, can you please, I'm begging you, please take my son, save his life. And, you know, when I'll always remember when he made that Hall of Fame speech, you know, when he, he was just tearing up, you know, thank you, coach, for saving my life. Yep. And that was so genuine. And one of the realest, like, you know, speeches that I've ever, you know, like watched. And for him, when, when he got to the pros, he had Larry Brown and also never gave up on him, you know, like he had coaches that, you know, they weren't as good as like Larry Brown, but, you know, he always stuck with him no matter what. And, you know, I wish like he would have won a championship. You know, he did, yeah. he got that one, one, you know, one win against the the one Lakers. But, you know, I think he had a very uh, storied career. Uh, Could have been better, you know, just just like any other NBA player. But I think, like I said, um, he was like one of the guys that we root for because he was an underdog. You know, not, not many people knew that he played hurt. Yeah. He had all he's banged up all the time. He, ne- he never complained about, you know, like taking a day off because he never knew what he was going through like every day. So, like, yeah. I think, yeah. I was going to say, and I think that's a good point too. Like, I just, you know, he just wears his heart on his sleeve, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. out there every day. You see every ounce of him on the court and off the court, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, the whole practice rant, right? Like, people still to this day don't realize that, like, he just lost his best friend. Yep. And he's in there getting grilled by reporters. Mm-hmm. Everybody under, you know, like nobody's going to be able to sit there in that pressure thinking about losing their best friend and deal with some dumb questions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think like, it's really interesting. And like that to me is also like a big part of it is just like, you know, it's really tough because, you know, social media now is a little bit different, right? We all have to kind of, you know, make sure that, boss isn't watching or you know whatever it is and we've we've got to be a little bit different than than back then mm-hmm. and it's not it's not that that's a bad thing i think it's actually probably helpful for a lot of people to to like have to even think about that right because like at 17 or 18 i wouldn't have thought of that stuff like i needed yeah. people to like put me in place and check me and say yo like don't you know don't lose this over some over your emotions exactly but also like you know i related to him always just you you can like if you knew me really well like you just know my mood on my face at all times like it's just if i'm in a bad mood if something's going wrong if if i'm trying to like bullshit my way through it it just doesn't happen like you see it you understand like that hey you know i'm not going to be able to like you know just push my way through this and be like okay for any reason like you're gonna see that i'm upset or that like i don't want to be doing something or that i'm pissed off at somebody or whatever and i just related to that because you know you just didn't have that with a lot of people right like in hindsight we see that you know the the bulls documentary the the last dance like you got to see michael be in that way but we didn't know that watching him originally because they were kind of painting this picture of like this is like you know superman he's flying through the air and like he's just hanging out you know, with, with Spike Lee making commercials in the off season and all this stuff. But as, as we get older and further away from it, you start to hear all these stories about like MJ kind of being a dick to people and, you know, Mm -hmm. like making some really like, you know, questionable decisions and not that he doesn't deserve to do that too. Like, I don't think anybody should be held to the crazy standards that athletes are held to anyway, but like to see Iverson kind of just go through it and be like, you know, the face of, of the change for the NBA in a sense, right. With like 
the dress code bullshit and all of the, you know, the tattoos and stuff like all these guys that are in the league now would have had to deal with so much more if, if, you know, David Stern didn't just pick on AI for years, you know, and to your point, right? Like if he doesn't have like coach Brown or coach Thompson, you know, he's probably going to lose it on one of these guys that's telling him how to dress or telling him not to have cornrows or whatever it is. Mm So, yeah. Yeah. That's dope. So like sneaker, sneaker wise, like, uh, you know, people were frowning on Red Reebok, right? Because Nike and Jordan brand, they were so dominant back in, you know, mid 90s or early 90s, especially when Iverson was uh, was entering the NBA. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people weren't, you know, they weren't very fond of the, you know, the, the questions, which today to this day is almost equivalent, in my opinion, like the Jordan one, because there's so many retros, colorways, there's, there's, a, there's even a low top. You know, yep. and there's so many collaborations. They had, you know, they had the hot ones, and you know, they have the the Bubba Chucks, and you know, so on and so forth. So, yeah, to a point, you know, like he also gravitated that, you know, with the culture in the hip hop music. Uh, he was one of the first athletes that had Jada Kiss as a, you know, regular on his like, you know, Reebok commercials. Not many people knew who Jada Kiss was, and. All he had, it was like a, you know, maybe like a two minute commercial, but it was yep. so cool. Like, you know, like the, the, the create, the, the creative process and the, you know, just like the lyrics too. It was like so catchy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was like, man, I want to get a pair of answer fours now after like getting <laughs> that. It, it gravitates, you know, to our, you know, to our like uh, generation. Yeah, definitely, man. I think too, like during that era, you know, Reebok, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the brand. I'm a big fan of a lot of the stuff that they've done through the years, but you know, they, they had the opportunity to, to to easily beat Nike at the game, right? Mm -hmm. They were ahead of Nike in the eighties with all the aerobic stuff and the fitness stuff, you know, in the, you had the, the pump fury in 94 that like, kind of like, you know, surprised everybody and, you know, ended up being the shoe of the year for running. But with, with basketball in the late nineties and early two thousands, they had, not only did they have Iverson who, you know, there's a couple of years there, like where MJ's out of the league. Right. So like the league and the, and the sneaker world is kind of looking like who's the next. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, obviously Iverson is, is it if things were played right. Um, but I think they also made like a, a lot of poor decisions, like from the top, where, you know, they had deals with, you know, a little bit later on, they have deals with Jay-Z, they have deals with, you know, 50 Cent, like all the stuff in the early 2000s, they owned the hip-hop collaborations for that era. And and they they really botched it, you know, they, they really kind of fumbled the opportunity to really, like, take on, you know, granted, Nike was coming into their own, and like, like you said, they were they were like all over the place. Everybody's wearing them, but Reebok was such a powerhouse that like throughout, you know, a lot of those years, I still think that they could have easily taken back that top spot. Had they just like kind of, you know, maybe, I don't know what, what was missing, but like they just made some decisions and, and, you know, had like different CEOs come in. Um, it, It was, it was a weird kind of situation. And now it's, you know, fast forward 15, 20 years, and they're basically 
have done the same thing and now it's like they're gonna get sold or they just did get sold and From all years. that yeah. stuff so yeah yeah I mean, it's, it's weird right like you see like technology like, um, brands emerging so you know there's ultra boost now on a on a question which is crazy yeah know? but yeah. you know to our to our advantage is more it's it's nicer cushioning compared to a dmx uh hexabyte yeah. cushioning um i mean it's a nice brand collab and i guess at that time i mean they bought how much did they bought it for like two billion which is yeah. considered like cheap in today's market for for the sneaker industry so and you know adidas is still a, a big global brand in europe you know based yep. on there so it's crazy yeah yep all right so next question for you nick so um you know you've been with many companies such as StockX, soul collector sneakerpedia and east bay uh so with uh you know you being part of those companies how important is providing ideas and concept through storytelling i mean it's it's the main it's the main purpose right i i think that you know you you have to look at how you're either educating or entertaining people when you're creating content and you know i I'm lucky to have kind of worked in a bunch of different places where, you know, there's plenty of ways you can do that. A podcast is a great way to do it. You get to really know people on a podcast and you can, the people that are listening can be way more, you know, emotionally invested in the conversation. Um, you know, depending on where you're at creating content, you can write long form stuff and kind of, you know, people get to feel, feel your emotion through that. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, I worked for Complex, you know, like I, you know, was there right when Complex sneakers started, you know, like I, I, I signed up for Complex sneakers in Instagram and Twitter accounts because like I was managing the sneakers channel at that time. And back then we did a bunch of lists, you know, we did all the like, you know, click through lists. So like you would come in and you would look through like a hundred of the best Air Force Ones, you know, and um, that's another way to to tell stories. It's just that it, people don't think of it as a, as a story because it's, it's, you know, broken down into a list. But if you were to write a book, for instance, you're still going to do the same type of thing, right? If I wrote a book about Air Force Ones, I would literally start with the white on whites and I would work my way through a hundred or so different colorways and, you know, crank out a big ass, you know, table, coffee table book. Yeah. But like with, with, you know, the internet, you can do that through video or through, you know, blog content, all that stuff. So, um, I, I think that, you know, it's the, it's the main reason we get invested into any of these athletes or celebrities or other, other human beings in general, right? Like the more you get to know people, the more you want to be a part of their life or you want to support them, or, you know, it's, it's, it's just like binging on Netflix or YouTube or whatever it is mm -hmm. that you, that's your thing. And I, honestly, like with sneakers, I've just been really lucky to, to be kind of at the, at the front of all this stuff you know, um, from, you know, like I was, you know, I was a part of four guys that were hired the very first people that nice kicks hired for, for their blog. Um, you know, the others would be George Keel, Peter Sim and Greg Grovey. So like, you know, this is 2007 or so, um, two, maybe 2008, I can't remember, but it's, you know, a long time ago. And then like with soul collector, you know, like, I, I went to Soul Collector. Obviously, Soul Collector was kind of the pinnacle for sneakerheads back in the day because it was like a, a magazine, right? Mm -hmm. And um, when I was there, I didn't, 
I didn't get to contribute. I, I chose not to contribute to the magazine as much because I started seeing that there's opportunity for the blog stuff to really become something bigger. And, you know, East Bay is, is, you know, headquartered up in Wisconsin. Nobody at Soul Collector wanted to go up to Wisconsin because it's cold as hell. And, you know, it's far away. Like you literally have to take a flight to Minneapolis and then you take a little tiny, like, you know, 20 seater plane to get to Wausau. And it's just like a tiny town in the middle of Wisconsin. And I was like, I'll go. They've got to have all the catalogs. Like, I just want to go look through all the catalogs and see all the <laughs> things that I missed out on as a kid, you know? Um, so, you know, just being there and being able to, to see all that and, and like kind of taking, sounds weird now because every company has a blog, but like back then, East Bay didn't even have a blog. They didn't have a place to even put their like pictures. So the only pictures they really created were for the catalogs. Mm -hmm. And for the website, right, you still had the like five angles or whatever that they were doing back in the day. But I was looking at it like, well, the best stories for Soul Collector are coming from a, an East Bay catalog. It's just that somebody has to tell the actual story instead of the, this is what it's made of. This is the materials. This is how much it weighs. This is how much it costs. Because those things are important, but like, I'm not emotionally invested in that particular information. I'm emotionally invested to hear that you played in whatever pair of shoes in 1996 and you just wore them to the ground. And now we can talk about the, the reissue retro of that product. And then now we can say, oh, that's the shoe that Danon talked about. Or, you know, oh, that's the shoe that so-and-so wore. And that's the thing that I think, you know, I kind of like lucked out in a lot of ways because the timing for all that stuff people hadn't really started doing that because, you know, we didn't have, like I said, I signed, you know, after, after the East Bay stuff, I ended up going to complex and moving to New York. And, you know, even then you didn't have things separated. You didn't have like a complex sneakers as its own thing. Now everything is separate. It's like, if you're passionate about something, even the big brands like Com complex or bleacher report or vice are doing stories about sneakers and, you know, that back in the day that just didn't exist because you didn't even have social media. So it was like, you know, MySpace and like Twitter was, was barely out there, you know, and not too many people, you know, like were actually active in the sneaker world on, on Twitter for the first, you know, two, three years. And then now, you know, years down the road, I mean, most of what happens in sneakers happens on Twitter, you know, it's crazy. So, um, but you know, to, to your question, I think like just the, the way that I was able to like kind of land in those positions, you know, each time, like I get really excited about new things. So each time it's like a new challenge, right? Like I, you know, go to nice kicks. I'm one of the, I'm the first team at nice kicks, right? Like we kind of figure out how to do blogging as a team, and as a group. Um, and then, you know, at soul collector, not only like, you know, doing the forum stuff, which was like the reason why everybody loves soul collector, you know, online back in the day, but, Soul Collector blog was kind of low key compared to some of the other places. So we were like starting something new to bring it together. Even when I went to, you know, complex and getting to like really like elevate complex sneakers on its own. Beyond that, I worked at finish line, you know, like got to build like a, like really like the best sneaker blog for a retailer straight from the ground up. You know, we did it right. We had a team of contributors, we had freelancers, all that stuff. And without, you know, me being just like ready to move to the next challenge, the stories kind of, you know, 
you kind of have to like be in that right place to make those stories relevant to whoever you're writing for or creating for, whether that's yourself or, you know, somebody else's big business or something like that. So. So like when you were with finish line, Nick, um, cause I, I've known, cause I've, I was like a subscriber to like, you know, you get freebie stuff, right? Like you, Oh, mm -hmm. subscribe to our, um, you know, our newsletter. So but I've noticed, I think now I've looked back finish line had like a little, little blood, like it's kind of like a soul collector mini magazine. Mm -hmm. Right. Were you, were you involved with that project? No. So when I was there, so finish line is probably like 2014, 14. Okay. For me, something like that. Okay. Um, they had, so they had a magazine in like the late nineties. Okay. Um, they had a finish line magazine and then they had a magazine called spike, which is their company logo, the, okay. the little jump jumping characters named spike. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, they got rid of that. Um, as like everything kind of switched to the internet. So when we built the blog out, you know, none of those things really happened. There was some things where we did some print stuff for like specific, uh, you know, maybe a specific model coming out or something, or, you know, we would work with the stores to do things. But um, they actually, one of the projects that I was really excited to see happen, it, it actually came out afterwards. And, you know, my buddy Brandon Edler kind of was like, you know, headed up that project, but like, they actually did like a full kind of like lookbook style catalog, um, probably around 2015 or so. And it was yeah. with, I think with Adidas originals or something. Okay. And, and so like they're, they don't really do print stuff very often. Um, you know, I'll, ne I'll never forget, like we did a thing called the fundamentals where we got to bring a bunch of creators to New York city to hoop. So we had like Chris from wear testers, uh, Nightwing, uh, Fulmer Simpson, uh uh trey and jay jones uh i forget what their channel was called back in the day um we had dre baldwin who's a hooper kind of motivational speaker dude now um it, it was just like this group of youtube creators that um i think maybe jacques slade was involved in some of that but like we basically that was the very first time that we kind of manage the creative process from the digital side where finish line at that time was still kind of like separate right there was digital and there were stores so everybody that worked on the stuff you would see in a store when you'd walk in would be on a different team than who i would work with oh, okay um but that project and like working through for a year or two on like trying to get people to let the digital team who was you know not not to I don't mean in a disrespectful way, but we were all kind of young and, and in the footwear stuff, right? We were all excited about sneakers. So we were in touch with the creators that were out there already. And a lot of those guys were my friends from previous projects. So um, we did get to a point where we got to actually put like, you know, I don't use the term like normally, but like influencers, right? Like these, mm -hmm. these people that are like legit, like, you know, making YouTube videos and have tens of thousands of views or hundreds of thousands of views, we would, we took photos from that photo shoot and from other projects that we did and actually went from like campaigns that you would see on the front page of finishline.com to like, now you can see, you know, uh, you know, Fomer Simpson on a big wall poster in any finish line in the country, or, you know, maybe like a hundred finish line stores or something. So um, th that was like a really 
cool thing for me too, because it was just a challenge. Like I had never done any of that stuff and then, you know, never kind of organized all that stuff. So it, it really just was, you know, it, it was again, going back to that storytelling aspect of like, it just has to be relevant to the consumer. So if it was relevant to me, if I saw a foamer when I, on the wall, when I walk into a finish line and I get excited, then I know, you know, thousands of other people will. Right. Yeah. And to me, it just, it was like, you would have, you see it now, right? You see like, you still see brands that do photo shoots with just, you know, models that they hire. Yeah. But like, if you hired somebody to be that model, that's already a known person in the space you're trying to be creative in, that's a like, that's like win-win for, for everybody, right? Because now you've got somebody that's recognizable, somebody that's excited about the same, whatever that passion is, in this case, sneakers it's just like, it gets everybody more and more excited. So you get to do more stuff. And I think that, you know, to me is just, it's, it's, you know, where everything kind of came from, you know, that like print side. And I think print can still be totally successful, right? Hypebeast still does a magazine, mm -hmm. you know, Heist and Body does a magazine, maybe not all the time, but there's plenty of people that, that do magazines well. And eSpace still sends out catalogs every month. I people. Still get so, one. <laughs> yeah, me too, you know, and, and I still love it. I don't, yeah. there's no shoes in there that I will probably buy at this point, you know, but I still love getting it and flipping through it mm -hmm. and seeing all the stuff that's coming out. So, yeah, it was so dope. Yeah. I mean, especially like every, I think it was every, every month you get like an eSpace catalog and you get so excited, like, oh man, like I saw Scotty Pippen wear these Air Moral Tempos. Yeah. Oh, they're one forty nine ninety nine. I can never afford it, but I, <laughs> exactly. oh, but, but I know they're size eight through thirteen through the East Bay catalog. Yep, you know that kind of thing. So I mean, those are cool. Those are like great memories and you know good storytelling too, that, yeah. that you're telling. So that's, thanks for sharing for that. Uh, so next question for you, Nick. Um, in your opinion, uh, do you think that StockX is a great asset in today's sneaker uh, community? Uh, that's kind of a tough one because, you know, I, I was not somebody who ever, I mean, I still don't really buy shoes for resale. Um, there's only a handful of shoes I've ever paid more than retail for. And that's basically because they're just shoes that don't exist for, you know, uh, soul collector collaborations that I don't have, or, uh, you know, a shoe that, was maybe limited when it came out originally and I just wanted to have it for collector purposes, not to, not necessarily to wear all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the platform itself, I don't know that it's, that it's bad. Um, but I think it's the natural progression of what sneakers was becoming. Right. Um, you know, if you go back to like 20, like 2012, 2013, 2014, when Jordans were like really hot for a while, right? Like the, the, um, the black cement fours came out and they were, you know, I, like I'd never had a chance to get them, but I was making good money. Then, um, I ended up buying like four or five pairs for myself and like had, a, you know, like I wore, a, wore them a ton, you know, like I wore them walking around New York city for the time that I lived there and, you know, literally just burned through them. Um, but like, that was the first time that I ever kind of really saw like resellers selling a new shoe, right? To me, resellers prior to that was more about like the collectible aspect of shoes. And that was always a thing, right? Like it, it wasn't like, it wasn't like Jordan ones weren't 
being resold, you know, at any point. It's just that now there's a bunch of platforms that everybody on the internet can see, hey, here's where they are. So, um, you know, I definitely, I definitely had a little bit of hesitation when I took the job at, at StockX. Um, so I went there in 2016 now, um, and I was employee number nine. So there was, there was no platform, right? It had, it, like, I think it might have just launched the, the website. Um, but I, I was even, I was freelancing for them before, you know, I, I'd known Josh through doing stories with him at complex and at finish line. So like when they start, when he kind of, you know, started the whole project with Dan Gilbert's team at, in Detroit, you know, he reached out and was like, Hey, is there uh, you know, is there any way you could be a part of this? Like originally the conversation was about him buying sneaker history from me, which, you know, that isn't really something I would ever really want to do. Um, especially to a company like that. I just, you know, if, if I was going to ever get rid of sneaker history, it would be like somebody in the community already, right? It would be somebody that's, that knows exactly what we do this for. It's not about money. It's not about like me making a bunch of money to like, you know, be a cook group or anything like that. Like no disrespect to that. It's just like, you know, to me, it's about the people and it's about connecting people. It's about you coming in and, and being able to, to meet people and be on the podcast and me be on the podcast and all that stuff. So um, with StockX, I was definitely hesitant to be a part of it because I didn't really, you know, want the resale thing to be like this blown up thing, but it was also already happening, you know, like by the time someone, you know, this, this might sound bad to some people, but by the time someone like Dan Gilbert is thinking about a resale business, the game is already fucked if that's how you want to look at it, right? To me, it will never be fucked. The sneakers will never be dead. Sneakers will never be like, you know, ruined from anything. You just adapt. If you don't want to be a part of it, that's totally cool. If you don't want to like, you know, even now, if you don't want to sit there and, and take an L on sneakers every day, that's totally cool. I don't blame you at all. Mm -hmm. But like for me, even when I even when I get frustrated by something like StockX or, you know, eBay. Like, I mean, back in the day, you get outbid at the last minute on oh everything, God. you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and then even on the forums, when you would buy, you know, buy and sell, you'd get screwed over by people on the forums and you just didn't have a good platform. So I'm going to be here no matter what, like, I just love connecting with people based on sneakers and having these conversations. So with StockX, yeah, I think that it made, it brought in a lot of people to, you know, make a quick buck off of shoes. But I also think that a lot of those people become passionate about sneakers and become friends with a lot of the people that probably five, 10 years ago were like, fuck resellers. So, <laughs> you know, to me, it just, it's, it's just a part of it. We would have gotten there anyway. You know, I think that eBay was already, you know, it was problematic, right? Like I've only been, you know, you know, knock on wood, I've only been like ripped off or not, I didn't even really get ripped off. I've only been like sent a fake pair of shoes one time. And that was on eBay years and years and years ago. It was uh, the black patent leather ones um, from, you know, whatever that was, 001 or whatever. Um, and I reached out to the person right away. Cause as soon as I opened the box, I was like, oh, these are janky. Like, <laughs> just like, I, I'm not keeping these. I messaged back and 
it was like a, a woman that was selling them for her kid. And she was like, Oh, my son just wanted me to get rid of them. Cause they, he's, they're not, not his size, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, just so you know, these are super fake. I don't want to like cause you a bunch of problems, but I'm going to need a refund and I'll send them back to you. I sent them back. She refunded my money. I've, I've been really lucky to not, you know, have a problem with that kind of stuff, but that was happening to a lot of people, you know, for a long time. So StockX was providing a, a service that I think was missing in the, in the, you know, footwear game in the industry. And I think that, you know, the, the nature of the bid and ask that StockX provides definitely gives a more accurate for the people that pay attention, definitely gives a more accurate view of what pricing really is. Um, it's really hard to dig through eBay and most people are never going to spend the time, right? Like you and I, most of the guys in the, in the discord and sneaker history discord will spend hours a day on eBay looking for random things, but that's also why it doesn't really matter if StockX is doing its thing over here because, you know, like I'm, I'm not looking for shoes that are on StockX. I'm looking for shoes that, you know, like you said, I'm looking for that, you know, obscure Pippin that I saw the colorway that came out. 15 years ago or something. And even when I'm buying new shoes, I'm not really trying to buy like the hype stuff. It's just not in my nature. Like it's nice. Don't get me wrong. Like if, you know, if I got a pair of, I don't know, off white dunks or whatever, I would love to trade that for something that I actually yep. want to wear, yep. but you know, so I'll try to get them, but I'm not going to go pay and resell for them just because it's not my thing. And, and that's what I love about what, StockX has brought to the game and not just StockX, right? Goat has done a hell of a job of, you know, uh, I think, you know, Goat's magazine, right? Like they do the, the greatest magazine twice a year. That is so, there's such a different vibe with Goat compared to StockX. StockX is like super transactional, super about the money. And Goat, like even the pictures that Goat takes is like, they're like nice, pic their regular pictures are really nicely done compared to like the 360s that StockX does. Yeah. And and it's just different lanes, you know, they're just picking different lanes. And and to me, you know, that that it's like the the price guide aspect of it is so much easier to to see on StockX that that's like the biggest win for the sneaker community, right? It's not like it's not like you have to play by those prices or those rules. We all know that you could look at a price on StockX and then you could walk into a flight club store or a, or whatever resale store. There's stores everywhere. I actually, one of my friends, Miles called me today and was like, Oh, I went to Del Amo and there's four resale shops in the mall now. Yeah. And I'm like, like, so like this is, this was going to happen anyway. And now it's happening in person. Right. So people, instead of, if you're, if you buy online and you flip it on StockX, you're not making a whole lot of money in most cases. Right. But now these retail stores can sell a little bit more because people don't have the time or energy to chase that shoe right at that moment. So if you walk into a store and they have something that was like six months old or three months old, and it's only, you know, 10 or 20% more than retail, maybe you pull the trigger on it. You know, I think it's, I think it's interesting. And, you know, I think it's, I guess to, to, you know, specifically answer your question, I think that StockX was bound to happen whether StockX existed or not, right? Yeah. So I love and hate many different things about both those things. You know, my experience there had its ups and downs, but I met my girlfriend. We've been together for, you know, going on five years. Like, so that was great. But like, you know, 
I didn't stick it out and, you know, I'm not waiting for options and going public and all the stuff like a lot of my friends are with StockX now. So, um, but it also, it also created a whole different, you know, uh, a whole secondary market world for people, right? Like, you know, we've got guys in the discord that are working for other, you know, platforms that like that opportunity doesn't exist unless you've got StockX that kind of forges the way or goat that kind of forges the way. And I think that's kind of cool. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that it, you know, it brings a lot of opportunities, you know, and, you know, we'll talk more about discord and sneaker history uh, later on. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, I think eBay is still like king of, yeah. you know, because like you were saying, uh, goat and stock, stock X, they'll still have like, Oh, pollen Jordan ones. But, you know, if you're one, if you're like one of the, savvy you know um sneaker you know like sneaker hobbyist or collector oh you know like, i always wanted like a pair of like you know for example um you know old, old love new love pack i want to know like yeah. how much you know i can get them for you know for the price that i'm paying for like a resale for a pollen one i can get like a slightly used pair for you know 250 300 with you know the sliding box which is awesome yep. and even though they, those are mids it's like it's like two it's like a two for the price of one kind of thing yeah so and you know it's like with ebay like it's, it's whatever anything that you're thinking about like even you have like a an epiphany or like you're talking something random like i think i was reading like through the sneaker discord someone was talking about the end of struggle. oh like i saw these air worms like someone's selling them for like 200 yeah you know, like oh snap like the the, the end of struggles. and then like you know we started talking about end and and I remember like Alonzo Morning was wearing the like, with the, the I think it was like the Rock and Jock the MTV like celebrity <laughs> basketball. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that shows my age, like how long <laughs> I've been like watching that kind of like sneakers, like with celebrities. So I mean, those things are nostalgic, you know, like the, the nostalgic feeling. I'm I'm more for the nostalgic. Um, even though like people are like crapping about like quality and like, oh, it does it's com it's it's like uncomfortable and it to me it's it's the nostalgic feeling that you know like you were saying like when i was a kid i always wanted these i always wondered what it, what they felt like you know owning a pair yep. so you know it, it gets it's it, it has this like good and bad parts about like you know just sneaker collecting the the owning part is the nice piece but you know there's also this this advantages you know sometimes like quality like quality is always number one and you know the the scarcity like how you know how available are they like you know like am yep. i gonna be like cracking a cracking a head or like you know am i gonna be like looking through all all listings just to find a decent price i mean those are like the negative parts about like anything you know anything that you're looking for basically yep definitely and i think too like the, the other thing about it that i always kind of think about is you know i'd rather i'd rather see 17 16 17 year old kids selling reselling sneakers than selling other things you know yep, like yep. i was i was i was definitely selling other things in high school and <laughs> you know i i just like i don't regret like the stuff that i did but i also think like i see this now and think damn i wish i was yeah. i wish i had that 16 17 year old energy and a platform mm -hmm. like a StockX or a goat to flip shoes on you know yeah. and i don't mean that like i'm trying to like you know, rip people off or hustle people, but like, it's crazy that, that you have the internet and all these platforms, whether it's sneakers or other things, you know, that like, just now people that, you know, I was on the other side of it, right? Like, when I grew up, you know, I lived in, I, I moved around a lot. Um, so 
I lived in, I'm from Sacramento originally. I lived in Oregon in a few different cities, Roseburg, Salem. Then I lived in Colorado. And like a lot of places didn't have access to the cool shoes, right? Like mm -hmm. I might be able to go to the mall and find something, but like, it wasn't like I could see all the stuff that was out there when I went to the mall. That's why East Bay catalogs were so important to us as, as you know, like me and my siblings, but like now the internet, you can see everything. So like, you know, we see it in the discord a lot where there's people helping each other out all the time. There's plenty of people that can't just go to a local spot and, and pick something up. There's plenty of people that, you know, may never even have a chance to get a lot of these like crazier releases or even just the regular stuff at this point. Um, but because you have a platform like a StockX or a GOAT, there's that negotiating factor that can kind of happen there and you can maybe get something that you wouldn't have been able to get otherwise, so. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it has its good and bad parts. So yeah, to each his own. So um, on a lighter note, uh, Nick, a nice segue, um, you know, we can talk about sneaker history. So if you, you know, you are solely responsible for creating sneaker history, the podcast, the YouTube page, and also the Discord that provided informative uh, happenings in the sneaker culture through storytelling. Uh, how did that all first started for you? Um, so... I think the the idea for sneaker history has kind of always been just a way for me. I I've always wanted to to do like, you know, almost like documenting sneakers and create like coffee table books and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't remember when I first like got the domain and and started down that path, but it it wasn't until like 2015 that I actually did anything with it because I was always working with other brands or for other companies. So. Um, one of the things that was, I guess, always a little bit frustrating to me is, you know, when you work for a finish line or a, or an East Bay or even a complex, right? Like to a certain extent, you have to be safe with the way you talk about things, right? Like I can't, I'm not a negative person, so I'm not going to tell you that a shoe sucks even, you know, like, okay, if a shoe sucks, whatever, like, I don't need to talk about it if it sucks. Right. Um, but generally speaking, like when you're, when you're working for a brand, you have to kind of be nice, nicely saying that something sucks to people that work for those brands. And, and that's always a, it's just a game that I don't really want to play. Um, i like to buy a lot of shoes. It's funny because somebody actually just commented on my Instagram yesterday and was like, why do you just post, why do you just, do you only buy shoes that suck? And I was like, <laughs> if you think so i guess like i mean i don't need to respond to that kind of comment but yeah, it's so yeah. funny to me because it's like like i don't i i buy and collect every type of shoe every type of brand like me having a shoe is my connection to the brand right like if if i uh let's say you know there's a new there's a shoe brand that's never been on any of the sneaker blogs and I somehow meet that person, whether it's through LinkedIn or I'm at some, you know, trade show and I have that pair of shoes and I can say, oh, I got a pair of your guys is this, that, and the other. And I wore it for this and I did this and that they're going to be blown away because nobody else is thinking about their brand of shoe or their type of shoe. And so for me, like early on in like starting to work in sneakers, I just wanted to buy as many shoes as I could from as many different people because 
on the other side for the consumers, if you ever looked at my page, my Instagram, my blogs, you knew that I was, I was going to compare experiences from all of these shoes. I wasn't just the guy that's like, you know, if you're only talking about Nikes, like that doesn't help me. Right. Like no offense to like a lot of people only love Nikes, but like, if you're a blogger or if you're a content creator and you're only talking about one specific brand, then you're just a commercial for that brand. It doesn't matter like what your opinion is because you're only helping that one brand, you know? And I don't mean that that's not a good way to do it. If you're super passionate about something, like I could be like Allen Iverson brand, you know, like whatever. But like, I just, I just looked at it from like, look, I'm, I'm writing for these big media companies. I'm doing all this work in sneakers. I'm trying to like have the craziest diverse collection. So when I need to talk about a type of cushioning that existed five years ago from a running shoe, that's now going to be a part of a basketball shoe, then I can, you can know that, Hey, I, I actually talked about this shoe back then. So let me reference it and say, this is why you want to hear my opinion. This is what makes me credible because I had this experience and now I'm going to share this new experience with you. So that kind of was my approach to sneakers, you know, as I started to work in sneakers and it became my like livelihood with sneaker history. It was like my place to talk about all those things on the blog and, and, you know, not have to worry about who was going to see it. And, you know, with, let's say at complex, for instance, you do uh, this is the best list of the year, right? Top 20 shoes of the year, top 50 shoes of the year, whatever. There's a lot of negotiating that happens with that, with the people that are creating the list, but also you're always thinking about, well, you know, Nike paid us, paid the, the advertising team, you know, $5 million to promote the Air Max, whatever this year or, or whatnot. So you can't just be like, that shoe can't be on the list. That shoe sucks. You have to at least take that into consideration. That's just how journalism works, unfortunately, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're either getting paid to do to write or you're struggling. So the big businesses always have to play that game of like making sure that they're safe and, and, you know, you know, you see it with a lot of the big companies now, right? Like you see, you know, if you look at, and this is not, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. It's just a, it's a way of do, doing business. If you look at a bleacher report or, you know, a, a complex or one of those big media outlets and, or, you know, even ESPN now with the undefeated, any of the sneaker content is very much positioned in a positive light for whatever brand they're talking about. It's rare that they would, you know, be brutally honest about a particular shoe or a particular player or something, unless that situation is, is going to move into the past for that brand they're talking about. And for me, I just didn't want to have to think about that. You know, like I wanted to be able to say, you know, look, I've had my dream job 10 times and each time it ended up sucking for some reason. So I left it. And like, that's hard to, you know, that's hard for people to understand because why would you walk away from, you know, Soul Collector? Why would you walk away from Complex, from East Bay, from like everything has its reasons. And for me, always wanting to kind of put out my own opinion, but also like prioritize educating people and inspiring people to be a part of the footwear industry, as opposed to saying like, cool, this Nike shoe is the best ever, buy it from me. When like, I don't really feel that way. You know, the brands and the retailers have to say that, you know, like you have to say, this is the shoe to buy. 
And a lot of times the brands do make better product each year. That's the beauty of it. But like, sometimes they don't. And, and I'd rather be able to have my own little place on the internet to say that stuff that doesn't necessarily uh, sit well with, you know, other people. And they know that I'm coming at it from a respectful way. Like I'm, I'm never trying to tear somebody down. Like if anything, I'm trying to write something to reach the person to have a conversation about it so we can support each other to make it better in the next time around. Right. So you can't really take that approach if you're complex or if you're, you know, bleacher report or finish line, because there's always money transacting around each of those things. If you're at finish line, it's product that you're buying from a brand. If it doesn't sell well and you say it sucks, the brand's like, well, why would we sell you this? Because you said it sucked the last time. If you're at complex and you say, you know, this particular release is terrible, then, you know, they're going to say, well, why would we give you this next release to, to talk about if you didn't like the last one? And, you know, like all that stuff is great. And you kind of play that game and you learn how it works. And, and then you kind of realize, I just want to talk about sneakers. I just want to talk to real people. I just want to be like, kind of just like, maybe it's old school, but like, it feels like the Soul Collector magazines and the forums and like, all the just genuine people that are like as crazy about sneakers as I am. And we can talk about random shoes and, you know, a majority of people like going back to StockX, a majority of people that shop on StockX, they, they would not be able to have conversations about a lot of the shoes that we talk about in the discord. Nope. And <laughs> so like sneaker history is really just that for me. It's a place where if I want to go off on a random shoe, maybe it's a shoe that everybody in the community knows. Maybe it's just a shoe that I've been obsessed with. And maybe I can help somebody understand, like, this is a crazy shoe. Maybe you should check it out, you know, like, and that's kind of where it started and kind of how it evolved into, you know, the discord and the podcast and kind of to the point that I made earlier, you know, like having the podcast and, and being able to like, get to know people more through like me getting to know people and then them getting to know me better because they get to listen to me and, and hear really what I'm about it also has allowed me to like support so many other people. You know, there's so many people doing cool shit in our discord, yourself included. Like now you have this little group of people that's going to support every episode because they want to support you because you're a part of this community. And like, that's, that's the most beautiful thing I could ever imagine coming from me being, you know, a sneakerhead. That's dope. Yeah. And another thing I want to point out to um, your, your YouTubes and your, um, your podcast with uh Shout out to, you know, I have to give them their, their flowers. Shout out to, you know, to Rohit. Congratulations on being a, a dad, you know, Ravi and Mike, you know, those are, you know, the main core of the, the podcast and your, your YouTube. Uh, you know, I, I think it's important that you guys have that cohesiveness and, you know, you guys can just bounce off any ideas and any topic and the nice thing about you guys is that it just flows without any like you know like there's no there's no like uh, no awkwardness there's it's just it just flows very eloquently you know like it's just it's nice to hear people's perspectives which is very important and also people's stories which is what we like to listen to um i think the the story concepts and the the topics that you guys talk about those are great because there's some there are certain things that we didn't know that you know there's like a background story that you know you're very that everyone like you guys are very knowledgeable of and your opinions which we you know respect and you know everybody agrees to disagree and so on and so forth so 
I think part of that that cohesiveness and that uniqueness that you guys have makes your podcast and your YouTube different from what from the rest. So just want to let you guys know that. Yeah, thanks, man. And and absolutely, you know, Robbie, uh, you know, really kind of we we started talking through social media, you know, years ago. And um, I, I think I was I was at, I think I might have just went to StockX when we started talking. And and at that time, I wasn't really trying to do much with sneaker history because I didn't want it to be like a conflict of interest. And I wanted to be respectful of the people that were, you know, putting food on my table, you know, mm-hmm. Um so for a long time, like he, uh, you know, just kind of was low key about it and like would, would check in and be like, Hey, do you want me to write? You want me to do some stuff for you? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then eventually, you know, like I was like, yeah, just log into the site, start doing your thing and, and I'll, I'll try to help edit and like, you know, read through and give you pointers. And, you know, that's kind of always my goal is to just like help people kind of find their way into it. You know, like, I think there's tons of people that would love to work at a Nike or an Adidas and and you know i think those guys you know it, it kind of started with robbie and then you know mike and Rowett kind of came on um with, when we started the podcast and it really just became an escape for us all through the pandemic too you know like we we were trying to figure out how to do the podcast thing and you know changing platforms and trying different microphones and different settings and all that stuff um but then when the pandemic hit, it was like, wow, this is like kind of our only real social interaction. You know, we, we're all stuck at home, you know, trying to, you know, not get sick. So um, that that's actually like the most like, you know, it's such a it's such a crazy, beautiful thing because that's how we all met everybody. You know, like that's how the, the discord started. That's how we all started connecting. And it's so weird to think about how you've got this crazy thing, COVID taking lives from people. And yet, like, it's honestly like kind of sort of the best thing that's happened to like the sneaker history community, because we all got to know each other on such a different level. And we were all like an escape for each other in a way, right? It was like, everybody that was listening to the podcast was listening. So they didn't have to deal with, you know, what was going on outside. And we were recording because we were like, we're not trying to deal with what's going on out there in the real world, you know? So it it, it just was this, you know, all this kind of build up to get to this point. And I think with, you know, with the community and with Mike and and Rowett and, you know, everybody kind of creating a little bit of a different approach to the way they like talk about sneakers, you know, on the podcast and on on the YouTube videos and stuff. And, you know, it's it's just cool. You know, we've, we've kind of found a way for everybody to kind of find a a little unique take and a little unique position. And really it's just like all about respect. You know, we just, it's, you know, it's rare that we ever are negative about anything, you know, yeah, we're going to talk some shit every once in a while, but like generally speaking, we're real respectful of each other and we're respectful of the brands and respectful of the people that are working behind the brands. Cause you know, that's kind of, for me, you know, is like the core belief for me when it comes to sneakers is, yeah, like you might see a product and think it's shit, but there's 30 people that worked on that shit product. And maybe they didn't have a choice. Maybe somebody above them said, you can't change this. And if I'm shitting on the product and that person sees me shitting on the product in whatever way on the internet, I don't want to feel like an asshole, you know, (laughs) like I'm not that person. So 
I always keep that in mind. And, you know, it's all that stuff that happens and all the, the stuff that people do is really challenging. The jobs that people do to make these shoes, you know, we all think we could do the best job possible and make it all perfect, but there are so many things and so many hoops you got to jump through and people you got to make happy when you're working for a brand or a, or a retailer that, you know, it's, it's like kind of goes back to me with the blog and the podcast and like having a place where we can all talk and say what we want, but we all know that we're here to make it a better experience for everyone. Right. We're here to make sneakers enjoyable. Even when we all get fucking L's on the sneakers app every day, that's, you know, that's the funny part. Yeah. Like every Saturday, everybody's ready. Everybody's ready. <laughs> yeah. You ready for these L's guys. You know, once in a once in a blue moon, you get a, you get a dub from like, yeah. you know some you know just like not even that the the most common people but just like once in a while it's nice to hear like oh you got a dub that's cool yeah you know um i just recently like i had exclusive access on those um sakai waffles the the fragments and um shout out to the homie josh uh from south dakota he, he hit me up on the on the dm and like hey man like if you because I, I i shouted out like hey like, i got exclusive access you guys want it you know yeah you know and then he he messaged me like, hey, like, you know, do you still got it? Like, yeah, like, let me give me your address, your size, you know, and then, you know, send me, I, I paid for it. And, you know, he Venmo me back. It was cool. And it's funny. It's like it's still pending. It's crazy. Like, I've never <laughs> had I never knew. Like, and I was updating him, too. Like, I wasn't trying to sound like I'm ripping him off. Like, hey, like, yeah. just letting you know, like, I still haven't got anything yet. But, you know, if anything, if they, if they refund me, I'll let you know that kind of thing. So. Yep. Yeah. Um, so my very last question for you, Nick, and I appreciate your time uh, tonight. Um, so the bread and butter of this sneaker history, um, you know, community is the discord. So the sneaker history discord is one of the, the best, in my opinion, the one of the best discords I've ever been a part of. Um, you know, we've all been through different walks of life with, you know, with sharing the same passion of sneakers. Um, what, 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 what does this mean to you or how does it mean to you when you've seen this grow from the very beginning to now as being so cohesive and in a caring community? I mean, you know, it's, it's like, it's the best thing that could come from sneakers for me. You know, I think, uh, you, you know, aside from COVID, like there's, you know, 150, 200 people in there and, there's probably 50 of them that would give you a place to sleep if you were driving through. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and to me, that's, that's like amazing. You know, like I would love to be able to see all these folks in here, you know, getting to know each other and, and, you know, meeting each other in person. Cause like at the end of the day, like sneakers is just a thing that brings us together. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can learn so much from being around other people and it's just a crazy diverse group of people too. And, Although we could use some more females in there, definitely need some female energy in the discord, but like for a bunch of dudes, primarily like there's just people from all different walks of life, all different places. You know, you got people in Australia, you got people in Hong Kong, you got people in London, you've got like, it's just wild to see how far it's grown without like doing anything too crazy we don't i mean you know we post on social occasionally but we've really just started doing that and i think the best thing about it is just being able to think about like how once we get to a point where everybody feels safe and can travel and, and get to know these people you could literally go to some other city 
and go see all the sneaker stores because there's this group of people that would put you up, feed you, and like they would do it for you and you would do it for them if they came to your town. And that to me is like it's like that's like just such a beautiful thing. I I I can't imagine anything better than that and like just like seeing all these people get together for random things. You know, I saw somebody I think Pete was saying, "Hey, let's let's do like a golf trip with some of the guys in like Denver and Kansas City, you know, and it's like that's that's so cool, you know, like and it's like you know, eventually like sneakers is kind of interesting because yeah, it brings us all together. It's what we all talk about. But at the end of the day, like it's almost like not the thing we talk about once we get to know each other, right? Like we're going to go get some good food. We're going to go, you know, you know, see some go to experience something, go to, you know, Six Flags or like, you know, whatever that is. And like sneakers is just like the the kind of like the the entry point, the door that opens to get us to talk to each other and get to know each other and and learn different things from people. So that's uh that's what I love about it the most, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, like shout out, like even like there's cool, like there's like a there's a monthly like uh, Zoom meet, you know, like a Zoom like hangout, and there's shout out to Greg, he does a, a cool trivia like month where um you know he has like these random like you know questionnaires and he'll have like uh you know a top ten of the week kind of thing. you know it's like it, it's it's a nice like like you're saying it's a nice escape from what you're currently doing. A lot of us work from home, you know, I'm sure everyone, if not everyone is working from home or you know, at the office, it's a nice escape from what you're going through, or you don't know what that person is going through. Uh, maybe, you know, a lot of people use sneakers, you know, or that, 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 um, that discord as an outlet for them to, you know, just to vent out or, or like just to be at peace or, you know, just being comfortable with everybody. Um, and it, it's great, man. Like um, I've, I've met like a lot of people um, and especially like that there was like, yeah, there's a thread called the the dad club. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it's cool. It's, it's awesome. Like, uh, you know, seeing like um, sneaker community, like kids, like, Oh, first day of school, you know? And I, I see, uh, you know, Keith and Todd like posting their kids like, Hey, my kids going to first day of school. And then like, for yeah. me, I, I want to be, you know, I want to show my kid off too, you know, kind of thing. And yeah. then it's like, oh man, like your like your kid looks like you, and like you're dressing them up and <laughs> and sneakers. That's like just like my daughter kind of thing. It's funny, like because we all think alike kind of thing, you know. Like, and it, it all gravitates to like sneakers at yeah. the end of the day. It may be just rubber and you know some strings, but there's more into sneakers. It, it's you know talking about life and you know it's just cool like categories. Um, and you know, thank you again. Like you got you, you guys, you know, blessed me with a pair of the the Omnis. Um, you know, a couple months yeah, yeah. ago. So I wanted to pay it back. Um, I I I gifted. I think you guys did like a quarterly meeting uh, a couple months ago. Uh, I think and it was like Andrew, uh, from New Jersey. Like he won a like a mystery pair. So I, I was talking to Greg. Like yeah, I got these pair of like Harachis, like the Fab Five Harachis, and he he nice. couldn't believe it. Um. I bought this pair of Harachi, the, the Fab Five colorway at Marshall's for $23. And so it, awesome. ha it, it had the um, the Marshall's tag. And I, I'm sure you've probably seen it in the um, the pickup page. So I gifted Andrew that, you know, hey, enjoy these. And then like, hey, like, look at where I got them from. And then he wore them like the next day, like, dude, like, I can't believe like you bought it at 
freaking Marshalls for $23. I mean, the, the, the only bad thing about it, they had no insoles, but, you know, I'm sure he was able to find a pair to put them in. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just that, that feeling of just giving back, you know, paying it forward. Um, and it's great, man. Like I, and it's just going to be even better that the community will just get, you know, bigger and stronger and, you know, very harmonious and cohesive. So, you know, I, I'm looking forward to, you know, the things that you guys are, you know, doing in, in the near coming future. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I think, uh, you know, that's definitely one of the things we want to we want to do like more within the community, but we also want to try to like figure out a way this year to, you know, do like a shoe drive, you know, yeah. for other people outside the community, because collectively, you know, it's like, we all got lots of shoes. We all got yep. shoes that we don't wear that we don't need. Mm -hmm. And, and there's definitely people out there that need it. And I think that's such a cool thing. And, and even, you know, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like you have like another like 50 people or something out there looking for the stuff for you all of a sudden, because you're mm -hmm. a part of this community. And, uh, you know, I mean, not all of us are buying a ton of shoes like that, but like, it's crazy because stuff like that happens where it's like, somebody's going to see something that, you know, for 23 bucks someplace that, you know, might not mean anything to them or they might not need, yeah, yeah. but like somebody like, you know, that shoe is, especially that shoe. That's a great example because that shoe is worth, that shoe's worth a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of motion, a lot of emotion for a lot of people because it's mm -hmm. such an important shoe. Exactly. So I, that's one of my favorite things too, is, you know, thanks for doing that. And thanks for being a part of it because of it, it really, it means a lot to have so many people that are so selfless in there because that's what makes it so great, man. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much, Nick, for coming on. And if you want to just plug in, uh, you know, sneaker history, where, where, where can they join the, the discord? Uh, just, uh, just go to add sneaker history on any of the social platforms, uh, the link in any of the bios on Instagram or Twitter or wherever else, Facebook, uh, you can get a link to basically anything we're doing on the YouTube channel, on the podcast, whatever. And then there'll be links to the discord as well. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll definitely post it on, um, the, the links as well on, you know, on this podcast and our YouTube page. Awesome. All right, Thank guys, you, so this is uh, episode 43. Thank you so much, Nick, uh, for coming on tonight. It's been great. Uh, thank you again for your time and sharing these stories. And, you know, I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. All right, guys. Episode 43. Have a good night, guys.